ego gets a bad rap. There is a very, very, very good version of ego, and I'm always desperately trying to understand how that functions at its highest level. People are powerful. The, the, the ability to mend, move forward, human nature, the wisdom of the world. It's all about people. End of story. Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll, and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. This week's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, I'm delighted to welcome fellow Skibbereen man Brian Carmody, the co-founder and managing partner of Smuggler, a film, TV, commercial and music video production company based in Los Angeles. Brian is a winner of many awards, including an Emmy, a Tony, a Palme d'Or, a Grammy, but most importantly to him, he is the holder of a County Munster and All-Ireland Senior Football Medal with his native O'Donovan Rasa. I would like to consider Brian a friend. He's a good man to talk to. I'm looking forward to this podcast. So without further ado, Brian Carmody, welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. John, thank you. Smuggler, Brian, massive success story. They say it's a long way to Tipperary, but it's an awful long way to Los Angeles. Talk me through your journey from Skib to the States. What has been your blueprint for success? First of all, I... I think I got very lucky. And that's, uh, I think, uh, anyone you ask who kind of got away with it over time, like luck is a big, big part of it. Uh, we often talk about preparation meets opportunity. But my preparation was really growing up in a, in a, a great family, in a great town. And we had a bar, which allowed me to be uh, extremely social with a lot of older people from a very young age. So it taught me a lot uh, of life lessons kind of early on. And give me a, maybe a bit of confidence and a, a bit of blarney, I suppose, if you will. That uh, has always kind of stood to me, I suppose, in a strange way. Having said that, I was pretty aimless in college. I wasn't madly into the school part of college. Everything else I was very into. I, I found school confusing uh, in a lot of ways. I, I talked to a lot of people who've had similar similar scenario. Um, education in the traditional sense didn't suit them, but uh, world education or learning on the job made a ton of sense to them. I needed practical stuff. I grew up practically. And I think that's probably also kind of stood to me in my work. Ultimately, the, the ultimate answer to that question is I've, and the lucky part is that I found something that I truly, truly, truly was beyond, beyond into. Like, I, I love what I do. And after that, it was hard work putting in the shift. I was the first person in my first, my very first job. I was the first person in the office in the morning and I was the last person to leave at night. And that was seven to 11 on regular days, five to five days a week. Didn't think anything of it. And it happened to be in film, something I knew nothing about, advertising specifically, which I equally knew nothing about. But um, yeah, I never had early goals. Everything that I, everything that came across my desk, I kind of experienced, I got to experience and tried to give my all. No different than maybe even things like football at home or um, other things in life that you're into. But I think really the answer to your question is I, I found something that I loved and then I wanted to be the best I could be at that. End of story. In the early days in America, it obviously wasn't the way it is now. You weren't self-employed with your own company. You said you worked from the ground up. 
there obviously was an entrepreneurial streak in you that you said when the time was right that you wanted to go on your own or in partnership with someone. Smugglers around since 2002. For any business to be trading for 20 years plus is a great accolade and a great achievement. What was the, the light bulb moment where you were like, hang on, I can do this myself? Uh, I wish it was a light bulb. Um, I don't know if I said this a second ago. Like I never, I never really had goals. I found stuff as I went along. What happened was the company that I'd worked for, which was probably the best production company in the world at the time, called Propaganda and Satellite Films. Unbelievable place. Um, I'd started there as a receptionist, and I ended up running a division for them. So I felt I'd had a seven years of good hardcore, put in the hours practice. The light bulb was more of a, I felt I had no choice. Uh, in our business, you compete with other companies. I'd been slating other companies for seven years, and I felt I couldn't turn around and walk into another culture and all of a sudden be the carrier of that flag. So I um, I felt I had no choice in the matter. I always said growing up, I didn't want to work nine to five, and I didn't want to work for anybody. Um, so that kind of came to roost in an odd way. But I had zero clue what I was doing. I couldn't have been more naive starting a company. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any banking set up. I still wasn't an American national. I had a, I had my green card. Um, I had a business partner who came on board who I didn't even really know that well, but it was a completely different muscle to me and has proved to be an unbelievable partner and leader for our company over the years. It was, it was, I was forced, I think would be the answer, to be honest. When you did set up Smuggler, were you very narrow in your focus? Was it just kind of doing what you were always doing? Or was the goal always that kind of like, you know, numerous revenue streams or was it kind of a an organic growth of the company as it went on my partner said from day one that we one day would have a studio now i don't i don't know if he meant warner brothers or um or we would be a warner brothers or some other version of that but i didn't i, I don't quite look that far down the road i'm a, i'm a one foot from the other person i believe in the fundamentals i believe in getting even your office down your colleagues down your roster of directors down, proving to advertising agencies, record labels, uh, film crew, et cetera, that you're, you're, a, you're a valid scenario and that people should pay attention to you and uh, earn your respect. That would be the fundamental that I, that I found that, you know, for probably year one through year three, I think it was about getting billings going, having money to reinvest in situations, um, reinvest into our roster, uh, get our own office, so I never look beyond that. Whereas now, when we've had Macbeth on Broadway last week, we had Once the Musical 2010, we had Sing Street was supposed to open right before uh, lockdown. I never imagined we'd ever be doing theatre, you know. Um, we have experiential shows that are in development. We have five documentary shows and series that are in development. A couple of TV series based out of England that are coming up. We have three offices in New York, here in Los Angeles and London. I don't think I ever looked down the pipe and said, that's what I, that's what I envision. I don't, I, I don't think like that. I think as you're going along, you start to make decisions about, okay, here's where we're going to you know, put the foot down further, or here's where we're going to expand, or we meet a piece of talent, uh, an executive producer or a partner to some degree who, who comes in that brings added value. I'm, I'm not joking when I say this. We were probably 16 years old when... Patrick Billingsmith, who's my partner, called up one day and he said, I think we've got a shot. I said, what do you mean? He said, I think we're, I think we're getting there. And that was after 16 years. So 
the 16 years was trial and error. We made mistakes. We definitely had some blunders. Um, but we also had a lot of very good luck during that point. We worked with a lot of amazing people. But where it is now, I would never have seen 20 years ago. Not at hope. Not no. I, I just want if I if I started thinking like that, then I don't know if I would have um, paid attention to the details early on. So going back to your earlier point about that you were never really goal oriented, maybe it actually was better off for you that you didn't have specific goals because that actually might have narrowed your focus. But because you didn't have any, I want mm-hmm. to achieve X, Y, and Z, it, it allowed you to maybe go where the opportunity takes you rather than saying well, that wasn't part of the plan, so I definitely can branch off into theatre because I know absolutely nothing about theatre. You know, I have some ridiculous, maybe not ridiculous, but to me they're ridiculous traits. Uh, one of them is like, um, no, I don't mind being disappointed, but I, 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 I'm terribly harsh on myself when I disappoint myself. So if I set expectations and I can't meet them or I don't have the time or I don't have the where I would all up for whatever reason, I feel like, God, you fucked that up. So... That's why the one foot in front of the other has probably worked well for me. Same thing in training. Long ago, I, I knew when we had a good team. I knew when we trained better. I knew when we were united and when we had a great vibe and camaraderie. Then I know potential is through the roof. Same with what we do here. If it's messy and argumentative, the, the point gets waylaid, I think, very quickly. So I don't know. I just don't. I, I set expectations now and I have over the years and we set goals and whatnot. But I wouldn't have stood, start, started out like that. But also, I kind of have found instinctually that there's always something better around the corner. It's not so much as, uh, you know, build a day will come, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something in the wisdom of the world that's allowed us to get away with it and progress and have these opportunities that I can't put my finger on and don't kind of want to put my finger on, to be honest. Aside from hard work, a little bit of good luck, an amazing amount of goodwill and exceptional people around us. I don't I don't really get too outside myself, you know. You're working with some massive brands, uh, Coke, Apple, Mars, Xbox, Nissan, Under Armour, to name but a few. How do you position yourself in front of the likes of those big corporates? Is it a case of we're the guys to go to because of X, Y, and Z, or we've X, Y, and Z director. What's your USP, would you say, at this stage versus when you started out? I think when we started out, what we were trying to prove was that we were a legitimate production company. There was a couple of jobs very early on that we were very lucky in getting. One was for Levi's and one was for Virgin Mobile, who had just kind of come into the States. And there were two jobs that were huge award winners on the circuit and also very popular. They were a little odd and funny and um, ended up having the Levi spot, for example, ended up having a pretty famous Mexican actor who became big after that commercial came out. So there there was a few lucky little steps that happened back there. But in working with those brands, first of all, we're working with an advertising agency. So that's the first human relationship. They're uh, a writer, an art director, a creative director, a producer would be the four main people you deal with at an advertising agency. That's a very personal relationship we would have in terms of trust. You build a proven track record. You build high bar production. You build, uh, like, I, I'm always belting on about this, and I'm sure it drives people around me mad, but I'm always talking about value added, bring value added, bring value added. Mm. Everything you do, bring value added. Um, and it shows up in the work, it shows up on the production level, but it also then attracts the right kind of talent. I've worked with phenomenal filmmakers. Like, my guy, I pinch myself sometimes. Say, well, what's that person doing in the room? Or how did I get to meet this person, etc.? But I treat them as human beings, you know, build a trust with them. And then if I can put them in position to do very good work is the next level. So I think it's just trial and error over time. 
we've had fuck ups, no two ways about it. We've had jobs that haven't gone well. We've had clients who haven't come back to us for, for certain reasons, and I get it. But we've also over 20 years work with a lot of these clients over and over and over and over again, because I hope that we have a mutual respect for each other um, and go into the heat of battle trying to get the best out of any scenario. I would say the value added is a, is a massive part of that uh, badge. You know, when you're self-employed, you work for yourself, there is often um, an element of a kind of a control freak in most people that, you know, it, it's your business, it's your name over the door. So you want to have your finger in every pie and make sure that everything is going well. When the company now has, has got so big, how do you manage delegation or your ego or how do you say, okay, I, I just cannot control what's going on over here because I've got X to do over over there? Oh, it's funny you say about your own company and an ego. Um, like, I, <laughs> first of all, I couldn't afford to have an ego, but ego gets a bad rap. There is a very, very, very good version of ego and I'm always desperately trying to understand how that functions at its highest level. I, I try. I know it sounds like a load of dung, but it's it's actually not. It's like trying to find that, um, you know, even to the point of like, you know, three different cities, three different companies. You know, there's probably 50 people at the company overall. You can't, you, you can't, control goes out the window. You don't try and control. You try to, I, I'd like to give you an example. I have an instinct on something. And then I'll go and explore that instinct with three, four, five people at the company to see what they think about it. I'll take their opinion back and we'll come to a consensus as to what the best way forward is. Rarely now do I dictate at all. I don't know if I ever dictated. I may have had to dictate in the spur of the moment or I may have had to make a, a decision in the spur of the moment and then you live by it. You, if you have an instinct and if it's proven, kind of have to trust it. And then you've got focus and hard work on top of that. But a huge part of it is employing the right people. And we've had, like I said, we've had amazing people through the years. I don't know how many thousands of people have come through this company between freelance and otherwise. And I wouldn't say every relationship has been brilliant, but I would say 99% have. We try to create something that where people feel very welcome and encouraged and pushed and space to think. And, you know, no statement is wrong. It mightn't be right, but it's not wrong. Control for me now actually is probably staying the course, thinking outside the lines, where to experiment, dealing with human resources, dealing with human beings, dealing with, you know, in the last four or five months, we've had five or six health issues with people or parents or people are out for a month or had to go to hospital or not around or whatever. And it's like, you know, these are very important people and you can't replace them. You're not, going to replace, you're not going to replace them first because they're only out for a period of time. But you're like, okay, how do we how do we rein in? How do we get people to step up? How do we give people an opportunity that they weren't doing before, but maybe you're ready to do so? So that sort of management. I know it sounds kind of like it's all over the shop in a way, but it's not. It's um, but it's definitely not controlled. My partner Patrick, who's based in New York, is a brilliant man. Um, and he he he's we're chalk and cheese, and we meet in the middle somewhere every now and then, which is good. But um, he's a very different muscle to me. Very different muscle. Like I, you're a you're a you're a sole trader. You are your own boss. You get to live and breathe. You don't get to talk to maybe. I get to talk to him all day long about hey, what do you think? Or he called me up and tell me what I should think. But um, but we have a great we have a great working relationship at the end of the day, and it's great fun. One thing I found talking to some of my clients over the last while was COVID took the control away because all of a sudden businesses had like four shutdowns, didn't know how long they were going to be closed for. I presume in the film, TV, commercial industry, it was a total lockdown. 
how worried were you or were you confident, look, you were robust enough? There were multiple levels leading into that. December of 19, my dad passed away. I uh, had a two-year-old boy, went straight into COVID. I was definitely anxious. We had some hard decisions to make uh, with personnel and stuff with the company. But we were able to work through COVID. Plus, there was the PPE loans here, which were a godsend, really. Um, we were able to work through COVID. We wouldn't have been profitable because the jobs are very small, but we were able to keep the muscles strong, if you will. And I probably, from the wisdom we were getting and the intel from some of the powers that be, um, you know, it wasn't going to be a long lockdown and brands need to advertise to sell. We always say here, like, brands advertise out of a recession, they don't die. So our businesses, it's not recession-proof, but it's certainly not a business that goes away. There has to be publicity. There has to be Coca-Cola. There has to be Apple. There has to be Microsoft. As much as I was um, anxious, it was always the first go-around. We've never had anything like this before. And I look back and I go, what was I anxious about? But you're just anxious. You're, you know, your way of life is upside down. But in, in, in all of it, I always felt we came out the other side. And with COVID, the lessons we learned during COVID, the financial lessons, uh, the muscle of the company, the personnel at the company who stood up, unbelievable. You know, like it actually made me, it made all the fundamentals feel like it, it, made, it, it made, for me personally, it felt more important to, to, to have your fundamentals be fantastic. Um, because goalposts are always moving. So it sounds like from a business sense and a business point of view, you've got a fairly robust financial plan in place, be it personally or through the company, what would you say has been your best and worst financial decision? Worst? I mean, I've got examples of things that were probably stupid, but I don't really, I don't really have a worst because or a, or a terribly bad one because I've always stayed diversified in any form of investing. Like years ago, this lad who was a friend of ours came by one day and he said, of an opportunity in an oil field, a drilling system at the North Sea, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, sounds amazing. So we threw a few, a few bob into it. I mean, it was going over from day one, but it sounded too good to be true. And most things that sound too good to be true are bullshit. And um, so that would be a small lesson early on, but nothing that was going to put me down or put me away. Um, I've never gambled like that. I'm fairly conservative, um, even in my investments across the board. But the best thing I ever did for myself is, is layered. The first thing was probably, I say choosing my business partner, but it wasn't really choosing. We came together, but it was like, it was the choice between us to go do it. So starting, starting the company was probably the best one. And the other part, and I know this might sound a little bit nailed in the head because I'm talking with you, who's a financial advisor. But we took on a financial advisor who's our business manager who's been with us for probably 19 years, a guy by the name of Stevis Rodriguez here in, in Los Angeles. And I swear to you this, if anything bad happened in my life, he would be my first phone call. When anything good happens in my life, he's probably my first phone call. He is my consigliere. He is just wise beyond belief. Um, he knows us very well. And he really hasn't put, hasn't put a foot wrong in educating us or talking out a talking something out. He's, he's never going to tell you, do this or do that. He might tell you once in a while, but he basically will allow you to talk through something to the point where you understand it well enough to make a decision. And that, to me, is a gift because we're always being told what to do or how to feel or how to go about things. And he's someone who's like, if you trust your gut, it's your decision at the end of the day, but let me help you through that. And the same way as we have doctors and solicitors and dentists and, you know, whatever else, 
financial advisor, if you can find one that you can spend the time with, get to know, I swear to you, there's only an upside. What's the goal for Smuggler going forward? I can tell you the few things we're, we're, we're planning to do. And it goes back to Patrick's dream, day one of the studio thing. So we started a, a nonfiction division, which is pretty much documentaries, um, series and whatnot. And that's proving to be very interesting because that gets you in on the ground floor of ideas that are real ideas, not bullshit ideas. Um, and you've got to explain them in the clearest, most dynamic way possible. So that leads into feature film and television. We have invested in a bunch of other companies outside of what we do. And I think the goal is to build out a, a version of a media company. Okay. So we're at the early stages of that. We're 20 years old. We're 20 years old there in March. And uh, I, I would say during COVID and for the last uh, year, we've really put the shoulders of the wheel and trying to expand um, the operation. We're doing fine. We're doing very steady. We've got a. We're we're about to launch another version of the company, another side part of the company, if you will, which is very exciting. Fingers crossed on that. But um, I think we're kind of gearing up towards that studio notion. That would be the goal, and uh, that's a five-year plan. Um, nothing happens quickly, um, and it is you know a bit of trial and error. We're leaning in on aspects that we haven't done before. But also, we'd never produce a play when we produce our first play. And it's the same ingredients. You're finding you know, the best writer, the best director, the best crew, uh, the best venue, best locations, the best cast. It's not, it's, not, it's not madly complicated, but yet it is extremely complicated. But always say, like, you know, it's hard enough to have a good idea. It's hard to put that idea on paper. It's hard to execute that idea. And it's hard to distribute that idea. When you see things are out in the world and people are, oh, that's shit, or that's this, or that's that, or whatever, like, it's it's unbelievable that anything gets made really so i uh, i tip the hat to people who get things done i tip the hat to people who um you know put their neck on the block to push forward um i see it in a lot of my friends i see it a lot at home i see it with athletes we see it all the time with people who kind of rise above we see people with exceptional focus we see people with an unbelievable amount of drive uh, emotional iq sensitivities thoughtfulness hard work they're all the same ingredients, you know, and you just, you need a little bit of luck. You also need to surround yourself with great people. You also need to try and be the best at what you are. If you're a swimmer, be the best swimmer. If you want, if you're starting out in life, try and work with the best people. Like it's all these advantages that you gain from being around good things, being open to opinion. I promise you, none of us know Jack until we start to grow up and get a little older and you can look back and be like, oh, I remember when that happened or I met that person or someone kind of like you can defining moments in your life that really stand out. There's an old saying that success leaves clues. Would you agree with that? Like, is there anything that you've kind of picked up from or, oh, you know, so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that? I, I recorded one of the podcasts with a life coach, a uh, quite successful life coach in Ireland, a guy called Mark Fennell. And his take on things was that success leaves habits that there yeah. are certain habits that successful people follow um you've obviously crossed paths with a lot of very interesting people a lot of i suppose industry heavy hitters and um, a lot of very successful people anything that you've kind of garnered from them or are you kind of happy enough that you're you're on a good enough path yourself oh it's a bit of both um, you can't just wait around for inspiration or a person. So you, you're always keeping aware 
you you have your own instinct and your own ethic and ethics and whatever you try and you know work ethic or whatever it's intellect. But the first company I worked for, um, Propaganda Satellite, uh, when that company closed down for quite silly reasons at the time. But when we were starting Smuggler, Propaganda had taught me what to do and what not to do. It was so clear to me what not to do, and it was going to be, take a real heavy shift to do what I thought needed to be done. There were certain people along the, there were certain directors that I worked with. There was a Swedish amazing man who died far too young, Johan Kametz. There was uh, Spike Jones. I got to work with Spike for five or six years. Amazing person, amazing talent. There were producers that I worked with along the road who kind of, you got to watch. I had this with my dad at home. My dad rarely would tell me what to do, but I got to watch him do what he did all day, every day. That was as telling an amount and an education for me as I needed because I watched a, a very good man exercise himself in the best way he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always paying attention to people. I'm always paying attention to who's around me. There's always something to learn. You know, there's always something from a book. There's always something from a film. There's always something from people. You literally have to just keep your ear to the ground. So. I've had some amazing people in my life. I have, I have, I have, like you mentioned, Steve this earlier on, my business partner, Patrick, and all the crew that I work with here. Some amazing talent that I've been lucky to be a part, you know, be, to be a part of their career to some degree. Have you an exit plan? Like, has Brian arrived? Or is it once the studio is set up, is there another project after that? Or, you know, are you happy enough that once that's set up, in three or four years' time, you're going to be whatever age you're going to be, and you're going to go, Do you know what? There's a good body of work there. I'm 25 years at this. I'm happy enough. There's no, there's no exit plan. There's no exit plan that I know we can exit for, that we can execute right now per se. I know that I won't be good if I'm sitting on my ass, not doing anything. There will come a point, and I don't know how long away it is, where there'll be somebody here who's they're already here, thankfully, who are going to be far better than me in the next iteration of the company. And so half the battle, I think, for me growing up or getting older will be when to stand back or pass on. I'm already passing things on or, or, or having other people take on certain aspects, which is great. Like even if I wasn't at Smuggler five days a week, nine, 10 hours a day, or waking up at four in the morning answering emails, I would be wanting to be involved in something creative, whether it's the backing of a show or a young director coming up I don't think I can get away from it. It's a lifestyle for me as much as anything else. Like I don't, I don't know if I see this work. There are times when it's a drudgery, but for the most part, it's not. Like, and uh, I often talk about don't give away your power. You know, I often say this to directors: like you, you work your ass off to get to a certain place. Like, why would you? Why do you stop? Why do you give away that power? So you know, stay on top of your game as much as you can. Smuggler has been lucky enough to be top of its game for twenty years. Like, it's always there and thereabouts in the top four or five companies in, in the states. To break my heart to be number ten or number fifteen, you know, like uh, that's a huge motivation for me to stay, to stay relevant, stay in the conversation. Uh, people know you, if you know what I mean. So yeah, if that if somebody wants to come along in three years' time and say, "Here's whatever we want to take your company to another level," I'll entertain that conversation from the standpoint if it's the best thing for a smuggler. Go back to the ego earlier on, like in the control thing. Smuggler is its own entity; it's its own being. And you support it, you suppress it, you kick it in the ass, you talk to it, you educate it, but it is now it's its, it's, its own entity. Smugglers would be far more known around the world than, than 
the owners of Smuggler, if you know what I mean, the people who founded mm-hmm. Smuggler. Smuggler is its own being. And so you're a little bit in service of that. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see it just, I'd like to see it, come, come, you know, still thrive, whether I'm here or somebody else is here, I'd love to see it still thrive. If Smuggler could be around, for example, in 40, 50 years' time, that would be unbelievable for me. Obviously, the name of my company is Blueprint Financial Planning. The name of the podcast is The Blueprint. And there's many definitions of a blueprint, but one of the most commonly used ones or one of the most commonly accepted ones is a blueprint is a plan that sets out how to achieve something. In 10 words or less, give me your blueprint for a successful life. Oh, it's hard to bottle that into 10 words, isn't it? Um, You know, human beings are unbelievable. Just listen, be aware. I think that would be it, really. Um, My relationships are probably the thing I value the most. Watching watching my old man with his relationships, what it led to over time, what I got to witness. But yeah, it's all about people, you know. Give them a chance, listen, pass it on. Whether it's training four or five-year-olds in the park, or mentoring a kid who's coming out of college, or giving someone a word of advice who's going astray. People are powerful. The, the, the ability to mend, move forward, human nature, the wisdom of the world. It's all about people. End of story. Brian, very well said. Again, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Thank you, John. Very enjoyable. Slán. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. For more information about me, John O'Driscoll, and my day job as a financial advisor, please visit blueprintfp.ie. For more information on the podcast or to listen to other episodes, please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.